if there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity. What should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys and in, uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when, he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. All right, and welcome again to the Whole Church Podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua Noll. Here's your other co-host, uh, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hi. Hello. All right. And uh, the first thing we just started doing was reviewing some of our silly questions we asked on Friday. Uh, Last Friday, we asked everyone what their favorite shape was, and literally no one responded, TJ. Really? Yeah. Really, me, you, and Mikaela are the only ones who have a favorite shape. Or we we need to figure out how to do our social media better. So if you guys have ideas, you can email us at thewholechurchatgmail.com. I mean, you know, I believe that no one has a favorite shape but us. Yeah, I'm just going to believe yeah. that, too. I don't want to feel like we're losers who of no course. one cares about. <laughs> all right. So uh, there are many ways you can all help us keep improving what we do here. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, wherever you don't get your podcasts, go ahead and download that app and follow us on there. That would be great. Thanks. Uh, you can email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com to ask us about more specific needs you may be able to contribute to. Of course, the best and easiest ways to help are by giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast, supporting us on Patreon, or sharing this episode on your own social media account. That last one is by far the easiest and the fastest and the best. So if you just do that for us, that'd be great. Yeah. You know what I forgot to do, TJ? What? Introduce today's topic. <laughs> you did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're so good at this. So we, we talked before about this topic um, earlier in the year when the United Methodist and Church announced that it was going to split over the theology of affirming or non-affirming same-sex marriage. Um, that What episode was that, DJ? Uh, that was episode 39, I believe. So we talked about that. We talked about our church's beliefs. Um, we are non-affirming. We're traditional on that belief that same-sex marriage is wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And we talked about why. So if you guys want to see why feel free to visit that episode again but it's uh as chris likes to say bible says what it means means what it says and that, that's that's pretty much why we believe it um yeah and today we're going to talk to chris about how we should interact with those who are living that kind of lifestyle and those who go to churches who believe that that's okay so he has a really hard job kind of guiding us through that uh, and we also have a couple other interviews with people who are one couple who's members of a church that is affirming, and then also an interview with Lauren Ross, who is someone who was converted from that kind of lifestyle into a traditional church. So, yeah, that's today's topics. Okay, cool. So, silly question for today. We always start with one. So, guys, if you had to lose either or either hand or either foot, which one would you choose? I'll, I'll go first. Any one of the four, or do I have to lose a hand and an yeah. uh, no, any Any one of the four. Okay. Yeah, so I would choose my left foot. I just feel like I don't use it that much, you know? <laughs> what? Yeah. 
See, this is tough for me. Usually I would say my left hand, because I like to do a lot of hiking and walking and stuff. But my left leg already barely works. So I feel like I would say left foot as well. All right. All right, so Chris, pick a hand or foot to lose. <laughs> I'm going with my right foot. All right. Your right foot? Yeah, I lean on my left a lot. Yes. And I need ah. that. All right, there we go. <laughs> Everybody, so that was Pastor Chris. I realized we didn't introduce you yet. <laughs> this is Pastor Chris Galloway. He's been on the, the podcast a couple times now. He's a, he might be on the podcast more than anybody else. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I think Josh has been on here a lot. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. But, but you know, <laughs> we've discussed before, which I've already said, our, our belief and our church's belief concerning same-sex marriage. So um, we would like to ask you, Chris. All right. Um, how should churches like ours with more traditional beliefs treat people who are part of the LGBT plus community? Um, I think the first thing is we treat them with love and kindness. Um, we invite them in. We let them be a part of what we do. Um, and we just show them the love of Christ because being a church that believes the scripture for what it says, um, that it's wrong. If we shun them or kick them out, then what happens a lot of times is people will just find a place that will affirm what they're doing. Um, and so they may live in that false sense of truth for the rest of their lives. And I feel like as Christians, um, sometimes we would be the blame for that because we couldn't love them through their problem. So uh, we've also discussed before how the Methodist church uh, has been splitting over differences in belief of this on this subject. Uh, other churches are also looking at having similar conversations. Uh, how should members of churches with traditional beliefs like ours interact with members of gay affirming churches? Well, I think, I think it goes back to the same thing. Um, uh, you know, for me, it is no matter the sin that you live in, if, if we are Christians and we say we're Bible believing Christians, then we have to love them no matter what we think about their lifestyle. Right. Um, and, and if the scripture says that it's wrong, um, then we can take a stance on that and we can say that it's wrong. And so, um, I think that we accept the members. Uh, we love them. I don't think that I would say that you attend their services. I don't think that um, you attend their fellowships. You know, there, there has to be that stance. Um, I, I wouldn't shun them because in some ways I believe they're doing the work of the Lord, but it becomes a fine line when you're outright telling people that sin is okay. Uh, right. Please don't kick me off the podcast, but, you know, if we don't tell them sin is sin, people wake up in hell and it's our fault because we didn't tell them. Man, uh, there's a Jimmy Needham song that says, if you can't call a spade a spade, you might as well fold your hand. I thought that's a good line. But it's... um Yeah, that, yeah that's it. Yeah. So you said that we have to show love to those in the LGBT plus community. Just, just to clarify, mm -hmm. you wouldn't go up to them and shake their hand. Hey, welcome to our church. You're going to hell. Oh, right absolutely in. <laughs> not. That that's absurd, and and that's where you know that's where we get lost in this thing is that um, people from this community, um, this LGBT plus community, they they have this perception that they walk in the church and the pastor looks at them because they're homosexual and they say, "Hey, how you doing? You're going to hell." Like that. That's not it at all. Um, I, I don't even you know. I think that. The person that does that to me personally, I believe I can take the scripture and show you the person that does that 
is just as guilty as the one that's living in sin. Uh, because what you're doing in that place is you're pushing them further into their sin. Because if the people of God can't love you, then who is going to love you? Uh, the people that you're coming from are going to love you. And <laughs> and those people that are telling you it's okay, they're going to love you. And they're going to say, hey, man, don't go around those Christians. Don't go around that church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And you know what? If you're just outright being mean to people and and pushing them further away, then they're right. You're a hypocrite. And I don't believe that, you know, the love of God is in your heart. Um, but just to, just to be clear, some of some people that I know, some of the greatest people um, that I know, two particular people I can think of in my mind right now, they live in a homosexual lifestyle and they're two of the most wonderful people um, that I've ever met. They do some of the most gracious acts that I have ever seen. They have blessed my ministry many times with uh, finances They've helped me set up for certain events and, and different things like that. Um, and it is a situation like what I'm talking I've been in their house. I've sat on their couch. I've seen the crosses. I've seen the scripture. Um, I've heard them talk about the Lord. But one day the conversation came up and they asked me point blank, like, how do you feel about this? And what do you think? And because of the relationship we had, because before that conversation ever came up, we had some sort of fellowship, then I was able to tell them my point of view. And, and look, your point of view doesn't have to be that statement. You're going to hell. Your point of view needs to be, this is what the scripture says. And also don't forget the scripture said, search out your own salvation, much fear and much trembling type stuff. And so like, I'm going to read to you exactly what it says. It's up to you to get right with God. I, I can't make you do that. Yeah. So we were able to conduct a couple of interviews with people who have experienced same-sex attraction that we wanted to get your feedback on. Uh, first up is an interview we did with Dan and Joe from the Enough Room podcast, an engaged couple who attend a Seventh-day Adventist church in Australia. All right, and we are here with Dan and Joe from the Enough Room podcast. Uh, welcome, guys. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, thank you for being here. Uh, just Real quick, uh, what what could you tell everyone listening ourselves about uh, your podcast and what you guys do? Sure. Well, I think uh, we started uh, the Enough Room podcast, um, well, just over 12 weeks ago now. Um, and I think really for us, um, we felt like there was a bit of a, uh, I guess, a voice missing for some of the minority um, groups within Christianity. Um, and I think we just really wanted to... Um, provide a voice for those people to to mm. express that there can be enough room within Christianity for multiple beliefs and multiple theological perspectives. Yeah, and whether that perspective be based on um, your sexuality or for someone like me who is, um, you know, a person of color, whether the cultural aspect ties mm. into that as well. So we just wanted to make sure that there was enough room, I guess, um, for all of those voices. Yeah. I love podcasts where the name tells you pretty much everything you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, guys. Uh, so, without getting too deep into the theology of it all, uh, your church affirms same-sex marriages, right? No. Oh. <laughs> oh. The short answer. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So we're Seventh-day seventh Adventists, and um, the church, while it doesn't necessarily have a creed, its official stance, I guess, is that... Um, it does kind of um, um, 
uh, LGBT Christians who are celibate. Mm. Uh, but if you're in a relationship or anything like that, then it doesn't, it's not really on board with that. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So like you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So no, yeah. 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 So how, how would you compare the way people in your own church have treated you to the ways other people with more traditional beliefs in the church have treated you concerning your engagement? It's it's very interesting because um, when I said the church in general does not um, support the relationship in that way, um, it's totally different when you're looking at individual Adventist churches. So the example I'd probably use is there are two churches quite close to us, about 20 minutes away from each other. One is your more traditional Adventist church and one is your more progressive Adventist church. Um, at the traditional Adventist church, they stopped us from taking part mm. in um, leading out the front. Uh, Dan and I are both very musical. So, you know, they stopped us from leading out in worship and all of those things. Um, whereas when we went over to your more progressive uh, um, Adventist church, um, you know, the they basically met us at the front door congratulating us on our engagement, uh, asked about ways that we could be involved in the church and all of those yeah. things. So yeah, it's, it was, it, yeah, it was very different. And I think that's uh, that particular church has, has made it very clear from the pulpit. The the pastor has made it very clear that they are a welcoming church. They're an open church and um, they have openly gay people involved in their worship services and have for, um, a number of years now. And, um, I think it's, it's interesting how the, the more traditional churches, they don't really say anything. They don't really make any statements. Um, but they hold to the, um, I guess the official church position. Um, I will say that in the, the more traditional church, which is where my membership was held, um, and where I've attended for a number of years, they, they're not, um, I guess, unwelcoming, but as, as Joe said, they, they don't allow us to be involved up the front. They're happy for us to attend. Um, they're, they're very, um, I guess they've got a very welcoming sort of attitude in, in general. Right. So is it sort of like a United Methodist church thing where half of the church wants to progress towards, you know, being more inclusive to all you know, sexualities and things like that. that and the traditional actual, side is less so. Yeah that, yeah, that was actually the the example I was thinking of in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Okay, cool. So, yeah, pretty less offensive than a non-Seventh-day Adventist traditional church probably would be. Yes, but still not we have we have some friends in a quite a traditional um, uh, church here in Sydney, um, and that particular church is um, is known as uh, worldwide being one of the most conservative in that particular denomination. And um, I know that they, the stories that we hear from them, they're a lot less welcome. Um, and, um, and I think, yes, in that sense, even the traditional Adventist churches do seem to, um, I guess, deal with it in a much more, uh, welcoming way, generally speaking. Um, again, you can get your more traditional, traditional churches and and your less traditional, traditional churches, um, and ultimately it all comes down to the people, but, but yes, I think compared to some of the um, 
denominations that are seen as quite conservative, yeah. um, yes, the Adventist church does seem to deal with it, it with a little more grace in a sense. And, and I definitely agree with that because uh, the friend we're talking about, um, their denomination, they literally had to leave it and start their own mm. um, sort of small church um, here in Sydney. Mm. Whereas with, uh, I guess, the Adventist church, while your more traditional Adventist churches may not want you up the front, they might involve you in other ways mm. within the church that's not as, I guess, visible. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting once you sort of move out of the Adventist denomination. Um, but I think one thing that I guess uh, the more traditional churches have in common is that um, they essentially, I feel, don't want... Um, gay Christians or LGBTQ plus Christians to be visible mm. in any way. Uh, and so there's a, 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 yeah, a lack of visibility, I guess, in your more traditional churches. Right. Yeah. I think one thing that I see out there in the LGBTQ plus community is, yeah, definitely. If you're standing on the side of the street with a huge gays are going to hell sign, <laughs> you <laughs> get a certain reaction yeah. from them. But um, at the end of the day, they just like everyone else are just looking for um, a place to belong, um, a place that is safe, um, a place that will offer healing as well. Um, and I think especially with um, enough room, a lot of them have started gravitating towards that because I guess they see a positive message here. They see um, not only something they can relate to, but I also think that they see uh, maybe a bit of hope in a way of mm. something better. All right. So if you could just ask people with more traditional stances on homosexuality in the church to do one thing, what would it be? Mm. That, mm. That, that, that's sick. <laughs> I think for me, uh, while Dan's thinking away, um, I think for me is just distrust. And I, and I totally am serious about this trust that God is bigger than any sexuality or any belief that we have and just trust that he is working with people. And I think once we sort of move um, the focus from um, a particular belief that can sometimes be a roadblock between you connecting with that person, once we move that focus to a God who is actively moving, who is actively working in each of our lives, I think it then makes it easier to then connect with people and to learn about people and to learn about people's lived experiences and their journeys with Without getting hung up or caught up in, I guess, the um, a particular um, theological point or a particular belief. Um, all of that being fine. All of that being, you know, um, I think if the spirit is convicting you, that's great. But I think if we shift the focus to a God who's actively moving, who's actively working, I think um, that that would be my biggest. Uh, if yeah, that would be my biggest thing. If I were to ask, uh, if there was one thing I would ask, more traditional. Uh, people to do. And I think for me, um, on top of that, probably one of the biggest things for me would be asking, just asking people to listen and, and be willing to learn. Uh, I think certainly in, in our church, in the, in the denomination that we've, we've grown up in, there often does seem to, it's almost like there's this fear of hearing another perspective um, in the, in the more traditional 
those who come from a more traditional background, um, there's almost this fear of, of hearing something that differs from your beliefs and this fear of, um, of learning. And it's, I guess, in a sense, it's actually a fear of being deceived and being sucked into this belief that is, um, is going to convince you of something, but is actually going to be false. Um, and I think that that's where I would just really ask people to be willing to listen, uh, be willing to learn um, about who we are as LGBTQ plus Christians. I think many people might be quite surprised at how normal we are and, um, <laughs> and even not just learning about the, um, I guess, LGBTQ plus Christian community, but just the community in general, because there is a lot of misconceptions out there about, um, about what people are like, what, what we do with our lives and, and, and all sorts of things like that. And I think that just, uh, having a willingness to actually learn more about the community and listen to the community, um, and getting to know people, um, as real people and not just, a an idea or a theory, um, that for me is probably one of the biggest things that I would ask people to do is, is just be willing to get to know people within the community. All right. So cool. Just to put my two cents in <laughs> so you guys can tell me if I'm dumb or not. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> it sounds like you're dumb. You know what I'm, <laughs> what, what I'm hearing, you know, is trust God, listen, get to know people. All of this seems to hinge on stopping something that a lot of people do, and that is trying to fix people yourselves, whether you agree with them yeah. or not. Is it really mm. your job to fix them? Our job is to love and to trade what God tells us to say and do. And outside of that, let him do it. You know? yeah. oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome, awesome. And um just because you know while i have you guys and i realize when i listen you guys can never know this um i can't remember is it dan or joe who loves kfc uh joe joe <laughs> i mean i am a fan but joe is definitely a bigger fan joe i live less than two minutes from a kfc <laughs> and it is absolutely yeah, nice. just my favorite like of all fast food places, it's hand down. And I've been made fun of most of my life for how much I like KFC. It's <laughs> <laughs> so refreshing. <laughs> That's wrong. Like, yeah, there's enough room for KFC lovers. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you know what's funny though? I think within the Adventist church, it's probably more, I guess, scandalous that I say that I love KFC than if I were to say <laughs> that I'm gay. <laughs> is that a sign of progress or is that a sign of progression? Um, wow. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your time and being up early and doing this with us. Yeah. All right. Thank you so Thank much. You for so much. Really Thank you so much. Yeah. Let us know if there's anything we can do to help you guys. We're there for you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Chris, uh, what did you think about what Dan and Joe had to say? Um, well, with Dan and Joe, I think that um, maybe some of their points could be valid. I, I don't want to be judgmental right. toward them, but um, so for me, the one church, the one church that says you can um, you can serve in the background, but you can't serve in the forefront. Um, I just think that's ludicrous. I mean, either either they can serve with you or they can't serve with you. Um, and to you know, it, 
What do you mean by service? Look, if you're, uh, if you're a part of the praise and worship team on Wednesday night, but you can't be on Sunday morning, that's ludicrous. Um, now, if you're out in the fellowship hall setting up chairs and tables for dinner, I'm down with that. Um, I would let them do that in my church. You know, you can serve behind the scenes in a capacity that has nothing to do with leadership, but you just can't lead because, look, it's it's like this. If a, if a drunk person came into my church and they were obviously drunk, um, not just drinking, a drunkard, and I knew that they were, then I'm not going to allow them to take part in my leadership program. But I would let them cut the grass if they wanted. And right now, today in my life, there's a guy who smokes meth all the time and he cuts my grass. Lord, I tell him what I do for a living. I tell him about being a pastor every time he's cutting my grass. I know that he's probably going to take the money I give him and he's going to go get high with it. Right. But I also feel an obligation to the Lord that I have to find a way to reach these people. Um, but to bring him in the church and put him on the stage or in any leadership capacity, absolutely not, because um, his lifestyle is sin. And, and I just don't think that you can have that in leadership. Mm. All right. Uh, so next up, we have an interview we did with Lauren Ross, of, who was saved out of same-sex attraction. Uh, shout out, Lauren. All right, everybody. We are here with Lauren Ross of Freedom Fitness, and uh, she's going to tell us some about her testimony. So, hi, Lauren. Uh, hey. uh, what can you tell us about your experience with same-sex attraction? Um, I think that there is uh, kind of like a, a misconception that there has to be like one event or something that causes that in people. Um, but it's something that... Um, from a very, very young age, I dealt with. Um, so I kind of dated women uh, in secret and then um, had an encounter with the Lord and realized I wasn't uh, really running myself and um, then got involved with a ministry in college and just kind of thought you had to do the whole fake it to make it type deal. Like if I just mm-hmm. asked, like, yeah. something wasn't an issue, then eventually it wouldn't be an issue. And that ended up not working out well. And, um, unbeknownst to everyone else in this ministry that I was getting ready to go on staff with, I was having a, with, um, someone else who was on staff. And when we confessed that to people, um, I was told I had to leave the ministry and there were things that I didn't realize at the time that were spoken over me that just obliterated my character. And I was told I had to cut off communication with everyone. And, uh, it was just a really bad situation, uh, that, um, left me in a pretty deep depression. So, yeah. Whatever caused you to go back to another church again? Like, why why wasn't that it? Yeah. So while I was uh, pretty deep into depression, uh, I I had met someone who had just had these uh, beautiful encounters with Holy Spirit and didn't know much about uh, Scripture, but her life was such a reflection of the Father's heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember sitting down one day with her and basically said, I would never tell anyone 
she told me those things like word for word, like this is what the Lord told me about this. And this is what the Lord told me about this. And I was like mortified. It was kind of one of those things where you want to like sink into the couch. I didn't go away. Um, and then her response to that was the way that you were treated from these things was not the way that the Lord would have treated you. Um, then I ended up getting into the personal training business and had a client who came in fairly early in the morning and she had just had this like super bubbly personality and it was just who she was. It wasn't like she was trying to put on or anything like that. Um, she invited me to her church and I was like, nah, you know, I'm good. Thank you. But <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather not. <laughs> and, but it was never, I never felt bombarded by her. I felt like it was just something that she was like, I really enjoy my church and I would like for you to come. And so I never felt like threatened or anything by the way that she presented inviting me. Um, and she invited me a few more times. And and my, if I just go once, she'll stop asking. I can <laughs> say and I didn't like it or something like that. And so I told her that I would go. And uh, it's looking back, it's so funny. I my goal was to try and dress as like stereotypically gay as possible <laughs> because I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to prove my point that everyone within the church hated gays. Um, but I remember um, feeling a few things uh, when I walked into the church. I remember the second that I walked in, um, I felt very safe. And that caught me off guard. And it wasn't something that I expected to feel at all. Yeah. So I even tried to, when I got there, I sat in the parking lot for a minute and I was getting ready to leave and she came walking out and was waving and I was like, dang it. <laughs> she, <laughs> so that's how I actually first got back into going to church. All right. So you just were blessed enough to have someone from a church reach out and be like, hey, please come to my church. Yes, absolutely. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah. All right. So the church could more practically reach out to that community. Yeah. It seems to be like a very hot topic. And for some people, um, the GOBTQ plus community is a hot topic because they want to love them well. Um, and then hmm. other people just want to get a gay win. And in my mind, I'm like, man, like, are we doing this for the people within our churches? Like obesity by 2030 is like guesstimated to reach over 50% of the United States population. And the majority of those people are sitting in churches. And so I think we just have this, this uh, mindset that there is a um, community of people majoring in the minors, if you will. And I think if we were to, just teach people the heart of the father because it's like at the end of the day, like Jesus has done everything for us. And because Jesus finished the job, um, all, all we're called to do is love people well. And that's basically telling them what Jesus has done. And it's, it's not worrying so much about um, who they're going to sleep 
beside beside of at nighttime. It's regardless of that. And he chose you because you're worthy of being chosen. And then letting Holy Spirit do the rest. I think we in the church with, with any situation, with any issue, uh, we have this mindset that we need to fix the issue as well as share the gospel. And that, that those two things should go hand in hand. But even in my experience, I was, I was trying to think back today. I don't think, and I've asked Holy Spirit multiple times to tell me if this is incorrect. I don't remember a time where the Lord ever told me he, where he like addressed and said, don't be gay anymore. Being gay is wrong because pointing out sin or issues in people doesn't cause repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. What he did do is he showed me my worth and he asked me a few different questions. One, it was, um, are you able to see people as sons and daughters instead of objects? And I couldn't answer that. And then um, one of the other questions was like, how do you see yourself? And those two things, having the Lord revealed those two things for me caused, caused my actions to line up with who he created me to be. But he never he was never sin conscious and to be more sin conscious than Christ conscious. Um, he was super love conscious. We can still speak truth, but a lot of times we don't even build relationships with people enough to have them trust us to, to speak truth to them. It's not a heterosexual or a homosexual issue. It's a holiness issue. Do you know what Jesus has done for you? So I think really going in and, and desiring to build trust because we see them as sons and daughters and, and saying like, regardless of how your life looks, this is who Jesus says you are. He says that you're a daughter. He says that you are a son. He like, he chose you while we were like all of us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were, he chose us while we were still in sin. And this is everyone that Christ didn't expect for us to, to leave sin first and then commit. It was, I've committed to you. And once you understand what that commitment looks like, you, you can't help but commit back. Uh, just, just to be clear for, for anybody listening, you're, you're not saying that you can be saved and continue to sin. You're, you're saying that let God deal with it basically. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that if, if your thought is the idea of cheap grace, like I forget where it was, where Paul is talking to people about grace and they're like, well, if grace abounds, then I should just keep sinning. And he's like, no, 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 you, you don't get it. That's not, that's not what he's saying. And that's definitely not what I'm saying at all. So as someone who has been supernaturally delivered from such an orientation, uh, what would you say to the people who don't believe the Bible opposes yeah, you know, just quick, easy questions. That's all. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, like when Paul is speaking and um, he uses the word, uh, the phrase talking about sexual sin, and it's the word uh, porneia, which constitutes a whole realm of different types of sexual sin in the Greek. Um, and so any, like, any sort of 
sexual sin, any sort of um, lust in any regard, however that looks, I think needs to come under question um, because the Bible calls it to come under question. Um, I just think it tends to be really hard uh, for churches and for people in general when we have created this narrative um, that basically allows other forms of lust into the church, but condemns homosexuality. And I think if we were to not pick and choose which ones we want to hold on a higher of a hierarchy, I think that would really cause some really cool discussions um, amongst everyone, amongst churches who, um, I guess, believe that it's okay. Um, I would like to know where they get that. I don't, yeah, I think that would be a discussion that I would like to have with them, honestly. Personally, I don't think that anyone is uh, gay or homosexual. Yeah, and we're, we're getting ready to wrap up, but even if it were true, I, I'm brought to thinking about um, the men who sat at the gate that Peter prayed for and was healed, right? Mm, yeah. Who was born without illness, and yet prayer was able to overcome that. Yeah, so... um. So if you, you were to talk to one of them, basically, you would just want to focus on if we held all of Scripture up, not just that one thing, but all of it and all of God's, you know, kind of commands or to us on the same level, what that would look like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for a long time, the GOBTQ plus community has been. Um, I'm going to use the word targeted, but just give me, give me grace for that. Cause I can't think of another word okay. targeted in the sense of that's been held a little bit higher on the, the sin hierarchy. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think that if we were to actually say like, like this, here's, here's what we've, you know, found to be true. Here's what we've found to be truth. And, um, then just let Holy spirit, you know, do whatever he wants you know, with them and, and in them and trusting, trusting Holy Spirit to do the convicting as opposed to us trying to make that happen. All right. Uh, so, Chris, uh, what did you think about what Lauren had to say? I think that Lauren, um, more than most people, is probably qualified to talk about it, right? <laughs> because, I mean, when you've lived in a lifestyle and God has delivered you, then um, you know a side of it that I, as the pastor or you two guys, as the the host here, I mean, we don't know that side. We've never lived in it. And so um, being someone who's been in the places where they accept you or just pretty much, you know, kick you out or, you know, not accept. Um, and then going to a place where they don't necessarily accept you, but they love you. Um, I think that just is a, I think that's just a beautiful God story. <clears throat> and I just wish that more people would allow the spirit of God to guide them and direct them. Um, into a salvation that is full. All right. One thing I noticed from both interviews we talked about just then, um, everyone agreed that what they're looking for, what people are looking for is somewhere where they can feel safe. 
do you think that traditional churches should strive to create that sort of environment for members of LGBT plus people so that they, if they come in, they feel safe? That would depend on what we're calling safe. You know, if you're looking for a place where you can come in, sit down and live in sin week in and week out, month in, month out, and nobody ever say anything about it, then no, I don't think we should conform to that at all. Because I can love you and I can appreciate you and I can be there for you, but I can also tell you what you're doing is wrong. So it's it's like a fine line there because you want people to feel safe. You want them to feel accepted. You want them to feel loved. But do you want to leave them? I, I guess that's a question for you guys. But do we want to leave them in their sin? Well, that's that's a risk you take when you condemn these people. But there is kind of necessary. So what I think, going to work, which I've worked with plenty of people who were in same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. I love them to death. Sure. I build a relationship with them. And then when I feel like I've earned the right, we talk about it. No one do, do you bring it up or do you wait till they bring it up? I try to wait till they do. Because usually yeah. they do. If you're that's, living that holy and godly life, usually yeah. someone will ask you about it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, last question. You know, usually we ask if there's one practical thing for unity. But uh, we've asked you that before. So instead, we're going to ask you specifically about um, yeah. you know, that church Lauren Ross went to. Okay. Where they kind of turned her away. Yeah. A lot of people have had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. How do people who feel that way, where they're going to turn people away, what can they do to get from that point to the point that you're talking about where we're loving but not approving? I mean, it sounds harsh, but I guess I'm just a straightforward kind of guy. Um, but I think if you can, if someone can come into your church or your congregation and they have sin in their life, no matter what the sin is, this particular case, we're talking about homosexual lifestyles, but any sin, and you just turn them away, um, that to me is you need to get your heart right with the Lord because I don't think that he would approve of that. I think he would want you to love them and take care of them um, and let them be a part of your church. So, you know, I, I took a kid with me that his mom was living in a homosexual lifestyle. We went to a, a revival service and the preacher got up and she started talking about homosexuality. And some of the things she said were just completely absurd. Were they right? Well, yes, they were right. But it was absurd because she would make these hand gestures and she would like use phrases that were, um, I guess, supposed to be like as a homosexual person would make a phrase. And for me, that was like, no matter if you're the preacher, you're evil and you need to get your heart right because you're pushing people further away and God expects us to bring them in. Um, and so I would tell those churches that would push people like that away that um, you need to get right with the Lord, because if you're not going to love them, then they're just going to go back to their sinful lifestyle. And those people are going to love them and they're never going to turn to the Lord. And it's going to be your fault. Hmm. That's hard, man. <laughs> Jeez. Good enough to end on. So what? Yeah, so, go ahead, TJ. So what do you think would happen if we all started doing that? What do you think if we, we would all see started loving them? I, I think one of the biggest things you would see change is that these people who feel like that the church has to split or that, you know, you have to choose a side. I think you would see a lot of that stuff go away because if, if people, um, th- this is like the, the Methodist church and the big split that they had. It's because some people believe one way, some people believe another way. But if we could just love people and allow God to sort out salvation and we could just point out sin based on um, what the scripture says, 
I think everything changes in this world. I think a lot of the evil goes away. I think a lot of the confusion goes away. Um, but it takes people getting their hearts right. Because just as much as it tells us in the scripture that this homosexual lifestyle is wrong, it tells you just as many times, or probably more times, that you should love people, that you should accept people. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's a world changer right there because it wouldn't just be homosexual lifestyles that we were inviting in. We would say, no matter your sin, come in. And that what Jesus said, it's not those that are healthy that need the physician, but those that are sick. And if we could take that scripture and try to live it out and say, hey, if you're sick and you've got problems, you come in here. Now know that we believe the scripture and we believe it in its entirety. And you may hear things that you disagree with, but if your pastor has a pure heart and a pure mind and he has um, found himself before the Lord before he starts speaking, then I think even if he has to come against your lifestyle, I think that he would do it in such a way that it could be received. Yeah. For example, right. this last Sunday, mm-hmm. Pastor Gary preached about uh, how we should, you know, accommodate for our wives and stuff. I was talking about doing the dishes. He did Man, that. he called me out. Yes. <laughs> he said, yeah, you don't look at that dish and leave it there. Did you so have pastor, to put dishes in there? It's been all week. My wife's been, remember what pastor said about the dishes? Mine did too. <laughs> all right, TJ, so our, our pastor said, when you're married, if you leave the dish in the sink, instead of putting it in the dishwasher, your wife may get angry. And so he was telling us that story. And so it was funny because I actually put a dish in the sink and not the dishwasher. And my wife's like, you heard what pastor said. That's just, Josh does the dishes every time anyway. That's funny. Shout out Tiffany. But you know, know, still, he he called me out. Right. I I didn't feel bad about it. I mean, I did feel bad that night when I left dishes in the sink. You know why? Because he just said something. You know why you didn't feel bad about it? Because your pastor has that relationship with you and with the congregants that you believe anything that he's trying to tell you from his platform as pastor is with a pure heart and with a pure mind. And he has sought the Lord before he made those statements. And so if he says something that kind of challenges you, I use the word challenge, but if it challenges you, then you can accept it a lot better because you say, you know what? I know that pastor's not trying to come down on me. He's trying to raise me up. And that's where we have to get with this whole thing of homosexuality. We have to get to a place where people feel like we're not trying to put them down, but we're trying to raise them up. Now, what's the answer to that? I don't know, because that's hard. (laughs) I mean, it's hard. Yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening to An Hour and a Change, some change, where uh, we all told you that we don't know and that you should be more like Pastor Gary. Right. That's the big takeaway. Uh, (laughs) Uh, You can check him out at (laughs) harvestministries.cc. Good sermons. Oh, great sermons. Can we do the outro now? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, of course, we love your support. Uh, and we like to start our outro with our God moment segment. Uh, you know, it's just a moment from, you know, from our lives when we saw God moving. All right. Uh, so I was talking to a friend the other day, last night. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about whatever. I don't even know. but. Uh, Whatever it was, he brought up our podcast as uh, like an anecdote, as anecdotal evidence, which I don't like, but <laughs> it, it was still really yeah. cool, you know? Because yeah. he so, listens, so that's... Yeah, because yeah. he listens. It's, you know, God's just like, hey, hey, people are paying attention. Yeah, you're, you're at least reaching one person.
Yeah. So that was really cool. So Gaz, Gaz can talk to me a lot about self-control recently, which was also something Pastor talked about on Sunday. It's actually part of the whole dishes thing. But um, yeah, so the last two weeks, I have, this is just kind of dumb, whatever. The last two weeks, I have drank half of the amount of monsters that I did the two weeks before. And it was intentional because I've been trying not to waste money on something stupid. So uh, God worked on me with self-control and I've been doing okay. Good. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, what's God been doing with you recently? Okay. I have a great one. Um, just this week, um, this past weekend, I was, uh, I received a call from one of my cousins who lives, uh, in the same town and we've been distant cousins. We haven't, you know, just our whole lives. We haven't really been real close, but we kind of stay in touch. But, uh, her brother came up to visit and her brother and I, when we were growing up, we were like best buddies. We were always together. Um, but we chose two different paths in life as we got, you know, um, in our older teen years, he was doing a lot of drugs and I was trying to go to church and trying to live right. And so we just kind of drifted apart, but he wanted to uh, meet up this weekend. And so, uh, I told him that I would maybe come by and I'll be honest, I wasn't going to go by at all because I, you know, we just don't have a lot in common. So I wasn't going to go, but as my wife and I um, were riding around Saturday, I told her, I just couldn't get it out of my heart and my spirit. Like I just needed to go. And so we went and um, we hung out with him. I told my wife, we're only going to stay here about 30 minutes and we're going to leave. And so uh, 30 minutes turned into like five and a half hours of being there. Hmm. Yeah. Imagine funny. Um, but the, the great thing was I, I just began talking to my cousin, um, who has struggled with drugs for a long time, but for the past year and a half, um, he's really been trying to clean his life up. He's trying to be sober, trying to just do the right things and take care of his children. And, um, he asked me to stay over cause they were going to cook some s'mores on a fire. And so, uh, I went up and sat down by this little fire he built and he went in the house and got some crown Royal liquor and some Coca-Cola in his cup and he came out and he was sitting there drinking his liquor. And, uh, I was just chit chatting with him about nothing. And then the Holy spirit told me that I needed to talk to him about God and making good choices. And so, um, I just began talking to him about, you know, what God had done in my life and some of the bad choices I made and some of the good choices I made and how it has landed me in the positions that I'm in now and given me a platform of influence and all these things. And uh, so I just left um, that moment and uh, the God moment was that he called me um, not long after I left the house. He called me and says, hey, man, I'm going to be still in town tomorrow, which would be Sunday. Uh, What's the address to your church? And so I gave him the address. I told him service times and um, we have two services. So in the first service, I didn't really think it was coming. But as pastor was preaching, the Lord kind of just impressed me to pray for my cousin because he was going to change his life. And so he came to church for the first time in his adult life. He entered a church building and uh, he sat on the front row with me, oddly (laughs) enough. Um, But he zoned into what pastor was saying. And when pastor gave an invitation to give your heart to the Lord, um, man, he raised his hand and he prayed a prayer of salvation. And um, he's called me at least four times since then and just told me, and how he just feels good and how he's really trying to make good decisions and trying to live right. And, uh, man, I just thank God for that moment. And I just think of that. I was, um, wise enough to listen to the Holy spirit and not listen to myself because <laughs> I wasn't even going to go over there. 
And so uh, I'm glad I did because, you know, he saved one of my family members that I've prayed for for years um, just by a moment of obedience. Yeah. Praise and, God. That's awesome. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. that a few people got saved Sunday morning. I was just, I was so excited about that. I wanted that to be my God moment. Then I was like, ah, oh, Chris is already going to say that. So <laughs> could have said it. Yeah. That was our God moment segment. Um, of course, if everybody listening wants to follow us, they can go ahead where they're listening at right now because they're hearing me say this and subscribe. Or they could support us if they wanted to on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Um, our next goal is $42 a month, which we're a little bit more than halfway there. Uh, and, you know, by supporting it, you're just allowing us to continue this podcast, improve our audio quality, and um, get more guests and travel to those guests once traveling is allowed. Um, also, you can give a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or probably a few other places. And that helps a lot also. And uh, as TJ mentioned earlier, the best and easiest way to help us by going to your own social media and sharing this episode if you liked what Chris had to say. If you didn't like what Chris had to say, share this episode and talk about how much you didn't like what Chris had to say. <laughs> share it anyway. Yeah, just share it. Uh, I thought it was funny that you mentioned guests, uh, future guests on there. Uh, some future guests that we're going to have. <laughs> uh Pastor Robbie Brissy, good friend of all of ours. Shout out. We love Robbie. Great guy. Uh, Carrie Roberts of the Dyslexic Pastor Podcast. Uh, Tyler Smith, the author of Searching for Seven. And, of course, you know, at the end of season one, we will have Francis Chan. Wow. Does he know? No. Oh. Will he? When he knows, he'll get back to us. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we love your support. And if you want to hear the short version of this or the long version, both will be on our Patreon. Yeah, we have a too long didn't listen segment where Chris is going to summarize all this in 10 seconds. We also have the extended cut of this episode there. So Yeah, yeah. we have the too short didn't enjoy it version as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>